Well, at least it's uh, turned out better than it did last time. There it goes. Usually with PowerPoints, it shouldn't go off like that. I'm surprised that it did. Screensaver. Screensaver. Well, let's... uh, Let's open our Bibles to Romans, the 12th chapter. This is going to be the heart of pretty well what we're going to be sharing tonight. I have a place that I I have planned to stop, but I have a feeling that I might not get there. I won't get to the stopping place that I had planned to stop at, but that's okay. We're we're uh, we're here, and uh, I I won't. I'll try not to keep you over an hour. And so, if uh, now now you guys are going to have to understand that we're starting at seven fifteen. We're not starting when you got here. <clears throat> so that's going to be the hour. Is that so? It'll be eight fifteen when we will be finished. Okay. But uh, I will. I'll try to. I'll try to stay there as close as I can. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, and acceptable, and perfect. Will of God. I'm going to ask our pastor if he would lead us in a word of prayer. Father, you are certainly a holy God. Awesome indeed. And we come here to worship you tonight. And to receive your word. To receive it with power by the Holy Spirit. And we pray that our hearts, our minds will be open. That we can have understanding of what you have and uh, as you operate through Luke tonight that uh, you give him the, the words to say out of your word that can be enlightening for all of us as you empower him and thank you for this time that we have and uh, the, the people to be able to worship with it uh, truly is a joy and we thank you for all things in Jesus name Amen, amen. the mind is a is a uh a battleground. <clears throat> now you look at the uh, the picture there. You you think, well, there ain't much of a battleground there, but uh, that's the housing of our thoughts. And your flesh wants supremacy over your mind. Your spirit wants supremacy over your mind. And it's what you set your mind on is what is going to have supremacy. If you set your mind on the spirit, then you're going to have supremacy with the Spirit of God, a spiritual mind. If you set your mind on the flesh, then that's the kind of mind you're going to have. Uh, it's what you're, uh, what you're filled up with is what's going to come out. You cannot expect something spiritual to come out of something that's fleshly. It's just, that's just the way it is, right? And so when we look at the battleground, there are certain things that we want to be able to accomplish here tonight. I want to be able to share with you... Um, how we can progress to that sound mind. And there is a progress that does need to take place. 
But the first things that I need and I must establish for you to, tonight is that I have to establish with you that the mind is saturated with sin. We, we have a sinful nature. And so, so there is the reason for a renewing of the mind. Um, but how to get to the renewing of the mind is, is the problem. It's because many times we really don't want to renew our minds. We say we do, and we say, I want to do that. But then when the rubber really meets the road, then we really have to really stop and think, am I really wanting to renew my mind? And so I'm hoping that, that as, I, as I share about the girding up of the, the loins of the mind, and we talk about being conformed, conforming the, the mind to the world, and what does that mean, and what does it mean to transform our minds, and what does it mean for our minds to be renewed, to be opened, what does it mean to, to, uh, to have a mind that judges through the Word of God? Uh, those are some of the things that we want to be able to accomplish here tonight. Hopefully. Hopefully. But irregardless, um, we have some Wednesday nights in the future so that we can come back and we can go ahead and establish what we have left off, okay? So... Um, Without any further ado, let me um, take us to our next slide. There we go. Now, <clears throat> sometimes we think, well, what, what is the theater of my mind? What if somebody had this theater and you can just transcribe what Nick Loesch is thinking onto the, uh, the slide? Uh, what if the, you came walking into the room and everybody knew what your thoughts were? That'd be pretty tough, wouldn't it? Uh, to try to control the, your mind. But you see, there's someone that knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're thinking even before there is a word on my tongue. There we go. And that is, according to Psalms 139.4, For there is not a word on my tongue, but, O Lord, you know it altogether. And you would think that maybe that would be a deterrent. Maybe that would cause me to want to say, I want my mind renewed because I know God knows every thought that comes in my mind. He knows what, what I'm going to speak before it even comes out of my mouth. And so you would think, well, that needs to be a deterrent because the Spirit of God that is within me knows what's going on in my mind. But you know, we forget that the Spirit of God is in us. We forget that the Spirit of God knows every thought that's in our minds. We forget that He knows what we're going to speak but even comes out of our mouth. So we know that. But we forget that. So let me let's let's go and and look at what it means to gird up the loins of our mind. This is an important concept here because when we talk about anazomi, anazomi is uh, 
that girding up, asphas, girding up our minds. Um, if you notice here, he, when we talk about girding, here's a man who's girded up his robe. Okay, and you can see that he's got some tool in his hand, and he's, and he's ready to go to work. And so, if he was dressed this way to go to work, it would impede his progress of being able to work, right? So, therefore, he does this. And he gets himself ready. And so, many times, if a person is going to run or is going to be on a long walk, he would gird up the loins of his robe. Now, now, Peter takes this concept that he's talking about here and he transforms it and talks about girding up the loins of your mind. Well, what in the world is he talking about when he says girding up the loins of your mind? He's talking about girding up, gathering together all those loose ends, all that fleshly thinking, all those things that need to be brought to, uh, to the throne of grace. He's talking about uh, how that we need to get all those loose ends. See, what was the word I wanted to... Oh, you entangle. In Romans, or rather in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, the first word, first verse, it talks about not being entangled with the sin that so easily besets us. You remember that. The same principle is here. It's that I gird up the loose ends of my mind so that the sin that so easily entangles me is not going to entangle me. It's not going to cause me to stumble. It's not going to cause me to be able to go forward in my process of walking before the Lord. Um, when we think of anosomy, Asphas dianoia, what we're talking about is the girding up of the mind, of our mind, those loose ends, those things that we need to take care of. And so, one step that we need to do is in Romans 5.8, and if you turn to Romans 8.5, excuse me, Romans 8.5, and pretty well you know that verse, I believe. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. And so what we're doing is that we are setting our minds on the Spirit, and by doing that, because, see, the flesh, we cannot destroy thoughts of our flesh by our flesh. Because a house divided against itself cannot stand. And, and so there is no way, no way in the world that you can control your thoughts, fleshly thoughts, by your flesh. It's got to be by the Spirit of God. And so a question that probably could be asked at this time is, well, how do you know when you're in the Spirit and how do you know when you're in the flesh? Really, it's quite easy. It's a, simple, it's a simple principle. It's not easy to follow, but it is a simple principle. And you say, well, what is that? Well, I'll tell you next week. No, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> uh, the principle is obeying the Word of God. When you're obedient to the Word of God and you're walking out the Word of God, you're in the Spirit of God. Because you cannot walk out, the, you cannot walk out Scripture unless it's through the Spirit of God. 
It's impossible. And so, so when you carry out the Word of God, you walk out the Word of God, you're in the Spirit. Uh, it's not a magical formula that you pray and you ask the Spirit of God to descend upon you like a dove and, and expect that there's some spiritual uh, illumination or power that's going to take place. No, you already have the Spirit of God. He's within each one of us. He's our teacher. And so He's there. And uh, He enables you to be obedient to the Word of God. So, uh, Paul, Paul, when we say set, set your mind on, uh, when he says set your mind on, the concept with setting your mind on is, is your affections. Putting my affections on the Spirit of God. I mean, think... Um, when I tie up the flesh, I am putting myself into the Spirit of God and letting Him do it, and then I am able to accomplish what God is asking me to accomplish. And 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 in dealing with the my uh, my my affections, my desires, my emotions. Um, I don't know if any of you have a struggle with your emotions or not, like I do. You guys have that problem? Yeah. Well, part of our mind, if I was to... I meant to get my board out here, and I forgot about the board. Nicholas, one of you guys, can you get me my board and and a marker or something? Can you do that for me? I appreciate that. Um, I I wanted to to share with you uh, Solomon's concept of the mind. And uh, this is not Solomon of his Bible. It's, It's another Solomon. But uh, what what the mind is made up of, you know, your body is a tri, we're trichotomous beings, and we have the mind, we have the spirit, and we have the soul, I mean the body. And so, so the body has got the five senses. And then within your mind, you have, you have the emotions, you have the will, you have the intellect, and then in your spirit, you have the prompting, the conviction, and the conscience. And, uh, and so with that, um, we have this, what we call, emotions. And the emotions gives us a lot of problems. Uh, and so that we are trying to gird up our loins of our mind. Thank you for doing that really quick uh, yeah, notice. Okay, thank you very much. Um, I wanted to help you to see something here. Uh, anyone I think would work? Okay, thank you. Um, so, what I was saying to you is this. Um, this is our, our soul, spirit, and body. Have you seen this illustration before? Okay, in your soul you have the intellect... Uh, you have the uh, the will, and you have the emotions. Here you have the promptings, and you have um, conviction, and then you have um, conscience. 
S I C N S E. C I E. C I E S E. N C E. N C E. Okay. We have the conscience. I don't think that's right still. I think I messed up on this still. But anyway, you've got the right thing. And these, here you've got your five senses. Now, <clears throat> when we are, um, when we are, we are either soulish or we're spiritual Christians. And when we operate in the soul, we're, we're operating in our will, we're operating with our emotions or our intellect. And many people will try to carry out their walk with God by being a soulish Christian. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Someone asked me some questions if you don't understand what I'm saying. Okay? So if, if, if we, we have a tendency to try to follow God and His direction by our souls, but not by the Spirit, because the Spirit of God will give you promptings. How do you mean by that? Well, He'll prompt you when, before you're fixing to do something wrong, He'll prompt you that don't do that. Don't you, did you, does anybody relate to that? There's a prompting that you get. The Spirit of God will give you a prompting, and that comes from the Spirit. He's prompting you. He said, don't do that. That's not right. And there's a conviction after you did it. <laughs> and you, you messed up, and so you get the conviction. And the conscience is, is, is a very, very important thing, and we're going to deal with that sometime in the future. But a cleansed conscience is very, very important. And... Um, a lot of times you have problems with it, but I'm not going to try to get into that. Uh, hello? Okay, good. Um, well, conformed mind. Now, Romans 12, 2 tells us about the conformed mind. And I, I really want you to be able to see what we're saying here by a conformed mind. Suske uh, Majitso is the conformed mind, is being conformed. And, and uh, it's it, it, it conformed, Suske Majitso means that it's, a, it's a fashions after, it's a pattern, it follows, it, it forms to the same shape. It's like, it's like water. Um, I can have a vessel here that's square, and I shared with this last time that you can put water in it. And, and, it, and it doesn't conform, right? Or does it conform to that square vessel? But if I pour it into another kind of vessel that's a different kind of vessel, it'll conform to that. And so here, he's saying that we must not conform to the world. Do not be conformed to the world. That's, that's in the imperative mood. Do not be conformed to the world. Well, when we talk about that, we, we have the concept of water that conforms to any shape. And Jacob said to, said to Reuben that he was unstable as water. And when he said that he was unstable as water, he said that you will not excel. Now, what is the thought behind what he is saying to him is that if you conform... If you conform to what I'm telling you, he's conforming to immorality. His, he was like, he said, you're like water because you conform to immorality and that you have defiled your father's bed. And that is exactly what he did. And so he said that you're not going to excel because you conform. And so if you conform 
to the world system, then you're going to have the world system in you. And in the next slide, we'll get into that concept here. But uh, when we say that we're conformed to the mind, but more mind is being conformed, that means we're kind of like water. We, we, just, we just become like the world. It's like if this was a vessel and it was named world and we poured ourselves into it, we became like the world. Okay? Now, I want to bring this a little further in understanding um, of what it means. Why does God require us to renew our minds? Because our minds are conformed to the world system. Uh, again, to the world system, and who's the prince and power of the world? Satan is, right? And so that means that everything that Satan does is by his standard. And his standard is very mostly, most ungodly, right? Would, uh, would someone turn to 1 John 2, 15 and 16 and read that entire verse for us? Appreciate it, just two verses. Love not the world. Now obviously he's not talking about the world of people, right? He's not talking about creation. He's not talking about the Jews. I'm talking about mankind. So when you go through the process of elimination, then which world are we talking about? We're talking about the world system. Someone got that verse? Those two verses? Okay. Condor? Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes, and pride and possession is not from the Father, but it's from the Father. Yes. Hmm. Why? Well, man, um, when he talks about lust, he's talking about concupiscence. This is the word, epithumia. It is lust. It's, it's a lust of concupiscence. And uh, so that means the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. Now, when we talk about the lust of the flesh, we're talking about the desires of fleshly immorality and, and, and eyes are the same. Guys, you know, I, I say this to my inmates all the time, is that the greatest and toughest battle that we as men have is our eyes. Being able to control our eyes. Our eyes get us in trouble because... We desire to look at things that we ought not to look at. The psalmist David says, put, I will put no evil thing before my eyes. Ladies, you have the same problem. But it's not so much with immorality as it is with things. Dresses, window shopping, things like this. So we have problems with our flesh and with our eyes. We have problems with the pride of life, our lifestyle. But I want, I want, I would like to really take this a little bit further with you and help you to understand a, 
a, a principle that I have learned down through the years. Let me take my notes with me so I won't misspell anything. Now, uh, your tape recorder is probably wondering why I'm not saying anything. Well, this is, I'm going to abbreviate it, concupiscence. Rejection. I'd like you to. I'd like to have three volunteers to to look to to three different verses I have here. In in concupiscence, would someone turn up? Uh, look at First Thessalonians four five to six. Dennis, you got that. And in Ephesians 4.19, Nicholas, could you do that one for me? And then Jude 1.10, Bob, would you get that for me? Okay. As soon as you've got that, you can read it. First Thessalonians 4, verse 5 and 6, right? Right. Not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who did not know God, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter because the Lord is the avenger in all these things just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you. In the King James Version it says not not in the lust of concupiscence uh, even the Gentiles which know not God. Now concupiscence is, is a lust that knows no satisfaction. It cannot be satisfied. Any kind of lust can't. But see, we're talking about a lust of concupiscence. And so, so therefore, what we have is a, is a kind of a, a climbing, uh, es, 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 escalating to the top to what we call rejection. And that is the rejection of God. Uh, the rejection of the Word of God. This is where uh, a lot of people, some people who become apostates, is that they start here and they move up there. Uh, 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 Lasciviousness, I can't speak tonight. Ephesians 4.19. Lasciviousness. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. Okay. So lasciviousness is the carrying on of concupiscence. It's still lust, but it's an upward thing. And so therefore, I, I, have, I have shared some of these things with some of my inmates, and they would say, boy, that's exactly where I'm at. I said, man, I'm right there. And some of them said, I'm right up here. I've come to the place where I've rejected God. I've rejected His Word, and I've rejected all because I have, I have been this upward escalon of sin. And so, so you got Jude one ten, Bob? But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. 
Does that verse there it talks about um, they crept in unawares, those that came in secretly into a body of believers that came in and for the only purpose they came in is to destroy the body. They have a hatred for the Word of God. They have a hatred for the things of God. And Peter gave a warning that there was the apostates that were coming and Jude comes along and says they're here. And now we're coming along and says there's a multitude of them. We've got apostates everywhere. We've got people who started out maybe in Sunday school and and they've made professions of faith, but they really haven't come to know and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And they've gotten into all kinds of lust, all kinds of uh, concupiscence and lasciviousness, and they came to the place of rejection. And I could almost promise you that that is the trend. That is what will take place when a person gives them over, gives themselves over to this lust, gives themselves over to this wickedness. This is what Satan wants. This is his. Pro- this is the world's system. This is the world's system of thought. And so when he says the lust of concupiscence, the lust of concupiscence is the beginning. It's the bottom rung. But yet there is a progress that's going upward. And if a person continues to give themselves over to this, this is where they're at. Sadly to say, I have members of my own family that have gone this way. And they have come to the place of rejecting the very doctrines and teachings that I have given them. So, being conformed to this world is the world system and it's just a pollution. It's just an evil that's overcoming us. Uh, Okay, slide seven. Is that why does God require us to renew our minds? Part two. Because it is a pollution. Does, does that guy, does that guy give you a picture of what our minds look like to God? I mean, it's worse than that. We we have depraved nature, and and our depraved nature is really gross, and our thinking is really gross, and uh, and that's what we look like when we when we have given ourselves over to the world system. This green slime, <laughs> it is ugly. But I, I, I'd like you to uh, look to Colossians 2.8. Turn to Colossians 2.8, please, with me. And here in Colossians 2.8, I probably won't get any further than this looking at my time. Well, I don't know, I've got half an hour. In Colossians 2.8, it says, Beware lest anyone take you captive, takes you captive, you through philosophy. I think I'm reading this. Beware lest anyone takes you captive. 
Someone read that out of that verse, and I must have made a mistake there on this. It doesn't make sense to me. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy okay, I've and got deception. According to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Okay, I had an extra you in there. I don't know how I got it in there. But anyway, maybe I needed to know that it's talking about me. <clears throat> beware is in the imperative mood. Again. To beware. Now, he's saying, he's not just saying, hey, listen, guys, it's okay. Just once in a while, take a look at what's going on in the world system. All right? <laughs> no. He's saying, beware. In other words, be on guard. Watch. Look. See what's happening around you. What is going into your mind? Do you realize how much goes into your mind when you watch TV? Just nonchalantly, not guarding, and all these advertisements come on, and and all these other stuff going on, and even especially watching shows that they have today, and the subtle, subtle things that they say. And so... And you know, what I'm saying is that it, it comes into our minds. And he's saying, beware. He's saying, watch. Be careful. Look what you're doing. Don't put, don't put stuff in your mind that you ought not to. Don't keep pornography magazines laying around in your home. Don't, don't, don't go to any shows that have pornography. Don't go to anything that will pollute your mind. Don't put anything in your homes that will pollute your mind. Stay away from those things. This is what he's saying. Beware. Watch out. Don't have the mentality that I can handle it. Because you can't handle it. You can't. I promise you, you can't. So, he says it made us captive. He made us captive in two areas. He made us captive through philosophy and through empty deception. How many of you think that you do not have any humanism in your thinking. Anybody here think they don't have any humanism? Yeah. But like in your worldview? Yeah. Worldview humanism. Uh, <clears throat> how the world and the philosophies, so the word is Sophie, is philosophia, and it is the love for human wisdom or humanism. Now, if you would turn with me to 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5. And uh, someone read that for me. 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5. One of you ladies do some reading back there. I appreciate it, you know. You got that, Janice? Yeah. Could you read that for me? Yeah, please. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Amen. Philosophies of the world. We are susceptible to the philosophies of the world. The church has endorsed a lot of the philosophies of the world. 
the fact that the church has become so much like the world that you can't really tell them the difference. If you were to go to a church today and say, um, well, we should not love ourselves, then you have some people that would get on your case because they feel like that we are to be lovers of self. And uh, God tells us just the opposite. Not to be self-centered. But see, that is a world philosophy. Um, uh, when we talk about abortion, that has been a thing that has been going on for years and years and years. And still there's, there's a lots of church members that abort children. It's a philosophy that has penetrated the world. I mean the church. You have homosexuality that is becoming a norm today instead of a crime. And the church is, it has a, what I call a misplaced fear. The church is more afraid of what man thinks than they are what God thinks. And so consequently, what we have is that we have a world's philosophy that is permeated into the minds of people and they think like the world. And the reason why they think like the world is because they don't, they're afraid to be different. But see, we as Christians have, are supposed to be different. We're not supposed to take in this world system, this world, this world concept, like, like humility. They said that we should be humble before God. And the world says, what's, what's humility? What's meekness? That's weakness. You know? So that's a world's philosophy. But see, if you start talking about terms like this, you're going to get some flack. Because the world thinks that this is, this is the standard, the, the status quo. This is, what, this is what you should be believing in. And so the, the, the concept of sin is really not a concept of sin. We, we, we don't sin. Uh, we just made a mistake. I'm, I'm not living with the person. We're, we're just... What do what they call it now? I forget. Cohabitating. Cohabitating. It, it's it's not really wrong. We're just trying to find out whether or not we are uh, we can adjust to each to each other to, as to whether we should get married. It's the philosophy of the world. And 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 take for instance the inspiration of God's word. You go to most people in the churches today and say, do you believe in the inspired Word of God? And they say, yes. Oh yeah, well, I believe in it. But then when you start saying, well, do you walk this out? Do you carry this out? Oh, what about the family operation? Is the, is the husband head of the home? What are you talking about? They believe in, in equal rights, you know? But what does the Word of God say? So, see, the Word of God takes second place and, 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 and please understand what I'm, I'm saying here is that if you start deviating from the word of God and saying I am not going to follow this, this area of scripture it makes it easier for you to deviate in other places in the word of God as well and so therefore if you're talking about if you're talking about the uh, the 
inspiration of the Word of God. You're talking about walking out the Word of God. You're talking about saying, I believe in the Word of God. That, that means that that is cover to cover. That means that even though it goes against your grain, you still do it. Even if that means that there's people says uh, things that, uh, what's wrong with you anyhow? Uh, I mean, are you some kind of weirdo? Yeah, I'm a weirdo for Christ. Amen? So, <clears throat> he talks about, he says that we've become captive to philosophy. Did, did I make that clear? And so when we talk about being captive to philosophy, we're talking about polluting the mind. Polluting the mind. Anytime you deviate from the Word of God, it is sin. Don't call it anything else. It's sin. And so if it's sin, that means you must confess it. That means that you need to ask God for forgiveness of it. That means that you need to get purification from it, which is katarizo. First John one nine. Right? Then then captive to empty empty deception. Kinos apate. It means void of the truth through deception. Void of the truth. So if we're void of the truth, he gives us two examples of being void of the truth. He talks about tradition and elementary principles. Tradition and elementary principles. You remember what Jesus had to say to the Pharisees about tradition? He said that you put the traditions, your traditions, above the Word of God, above commandments. <clears throat> and so, by taking traditions, the traditions of men, and putting them above God, that is saying that this is inspired and God's Word is not inspired. I will follow what man has to say and I will not follow what God has to say. And listen, guys, we have churches, we have churches across our land that fit that description. They follow man's understanding of religion and not God's. And they call themselves Christians. Call themselves Christians. So we have the traditions and then we have the elementary principles. What is that? That's step by step in the basics of the world system. Or it can be step by step in the basics of God's word. Either way. I like to look at it and put it in this way. The philosophies of humanism informs you of its wisdom. Elementary principles informs you as to how you should walk out that humanism, that wisdom. And so you can just take that and reverse it, and you can say the, the biblical philosophies are the, um, the Christian worldview is that is that of God's wisdom and the elementary principles of God's wisdom I learned to walk out. Which one it would be? He says here that in Colossians 2.8 Beware lest anyone takes you captive through philosophy through empty deception according to traditions of men according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ. 
And so therefore, in, in the transformation of the mind, when we talk about the uh, being where, being, uh, uh, let's see, what's it, uh, a page behind here, in, in requirements of a renewed mind, we have to see this philosophy in our minds. So now when we go to we go to uh, slide 8 and I really haven't come to my stopping place yet guys. Isn't that wonderful? <clears throat> Transformation of the mind. Now this is where we all want to be. This is what we all want to talk about. But see we don't want to do it. We don't really want to walk it out. And but see, in order for us to get here, we've got to understand what sin is. We've got to understand what pollution is. Because what would you transform if you don't think that you have a sinful mind? So well, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm better than Joe over here. You know, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not as bad as he is. So I, I'm pretty good. And so therefore, I really don't need to transform mine. I'm pretty well walking and transform mine. Oh, really? Oh, really? No, you're not. You're far from it. Far from it. So a transformed mind has got to be, is, is a renew, it, is, uh, it, it must be, it must be like this caterpillar. Boy, isn't that an ugly thing? How many of you like, like to pick those things up and handle them? And crawl over your hands and everything like that. I, I didn't know it was like that time. But here's this caterpillar, and to me it's just ugly. And see, that's the way we are before we get our minds renewed. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the transformation takes part. It's metamorpho is the word, and metamorphosis is what we get our word from. So the metamorphosis is this beautiful moth that comes out, and and, and some of them are just so gorgeous. And and so it, this thing is just his 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 habitat is limited. He can't go very many places, and he can't eat too many places because he can't go too fast. Okay? He's got all those legs but he can't really move that fast. You know what I mean? But see, this moth can soar. And that's what God wants us to be. He wants us to soar with him. He wants us to be like the Spirit. He wants us to have that transformed mind. He wants us to understand what it's all about. Now, in a transformed mind there's, there's four words here that I think that are very, very important for us to be able to grasp. And these four words are uh, renew. I renew my mind is, is by renewing Ephesians 4.23. I need some people to help me out here, okay? Because I've got four verses of Scripture that I need to have, I need to have looked up. So the uh, renewing... Where is my... I need uh, Ephesians 4.32, Luke twenty four forty five, 45, Acts 45, and 1 Corinthians 2.15. And I won't appoint anybody because I think you want me to. 
let you choose as to whether you not to want to read. So, uh, whoever's got uh, Ephesians 4, 2, 4, 23, please turn to it. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. You want me to read 24? Ephesians 4.23. Yeah, yep. Just be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And what he's talking about is anokinosis, and it means to renovate. It means to renovate. I'm a carpenter. I have carpent. I have skills in in in, in carpentry field. I made my lots of my furniture. I. I have I make cabinets, and so when I'm in my younger days, when someone say, "Would you come and renovate my house? Uh, I want to remodel it, or I have this room I want you to remodel." So what do I do? I go in and I take everything out of there. I gut it. I take the stuff off the walls to the to studs, and then I go back in there again. And I begin to start putting back in there things that they want. Renovate. So what I'm, what he's saying is that you're going to renew your mind. You're going to renovate it. You're going in there. You're girding up your mind. You're girding up all those lost, loose thoughts. You're not, you're not being conformed to the world. You're renovating. You're making things different. It's going to be by the Spirit of God, right? Isn't that what that verse said there, brother? Renewed in the Spirit? Yes. Okay. What does Luke 24.45 say? That He opened their minds, opened their minds to understand the Scripture. Dianoico. Dianoico means to open, but what it means is to expand. And what God, what Jesus is saying there is that I opened their minds. In other words, I've, I've expanded their minds so that they would be able to receive. They would have the insights upon the Word of God. I, I'm, giving them, I'm giving them things for them to understand. Boy, that's so wonderful. I'm a writer. I, I type. I type everything I do. If I'm in my quiet times, I, I type them all out. If I'm, I'm doing anything, I'm always writing, okay? And and I can't spell for a hoot, but my computer can. And it, and and when I get finished typing, there's a bunch of red lines everywhere. But that doesn't hinder me from writing. I'm dyslexic. Maybe some of you didn't know that, but I'm a dyslexic. And so, therefore, I'm used to a lot of red lines. And, and, and I have to work very hard at learning a new word. I have to go over and over and over and over and over again. You say, well, have you done those with those Greek words? You betcha. I had to work hard on them. But some of you guys just read it one time and you got it. I don't envy you. Because I know God gave me this this handicap because he wanted me to depend on him. And so with that handicap, I depend on him. And I've learned to break everything down. When I was in college, I broke everything down so that I would understand it. I break it down. I break it down. And you know what? I do it the same way. It just comes natural for me with the Word of God. It's that I break it down. 
So, is it is it a hindrance? Absolutely not. I look at it as a blessing. God blessed me by giving me a handicap. So, if you say, well, man, you mispronounced that word, well, there'll probably be a whole bunch more that I will. So don't don't get all been out of shape about that. But I want you to know that that what I what I said that for is that God has opened my mind. He's expanded my mind so that when I write, He gives me insights into the Word. What? Okay. I saw your lips moving. I was just wondering. And then is the word judge. Enoch Reno. And that is in 1 Corinthians 2.15. I know one of you guys have it, right? The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. Okay, the word Enoch Reno. Remember what I was sharing with you guys last time? That with Enoch Reno means that it, it means really a sieve. That's what it means, it's a sieve. And what, it, what he's saying is that, that the word of God is a sieve. That means that, that everything... That, that passes through. Like, for instance, and say, well, I'm going to go out and watch this movie. Well, pass it through the Word of God and see if it's, see if it's a good movie to go watch. Well, I, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm going to do this activity. Well, pass it through the Word of God and see if that activity is godly. You see, see what he's saying, in, in all of these transformation of the mind, you say, well, listen, I can handle some things. No, you can't. You can't handle anything. I said, well, that's just old-fashioned. Why should I have to go through all those methods so that you can have a pure mind? So that God can utilize your mind for the glory of His name. So that, so that you would be a godly person. So that you would have a sound mind. So that's just, just that's a lot of sacrifices. Yes, it is. It is. And that's the reason why we're going to our next section. And we won't be able to go to the next section. Our time is really out. But um, <clears throat> I want to give you uh, just a real quick prelude of what we want to talk about here. Oh, man, I am so excited about this. I, it's going to be hard for me just to say, a little prelude. I can't hardly do that. But after these two slides is where I wanted it. Would you guys let me just share these things with you? It's 810. Go for it. Everybody okay? Yeah. All right. All right. Now, these things I'm going to share with you are kind of hard, and so therefore I'm looking to see if there's any rocks underneath your seats that you can throw them at me. But... Uh, I really want you to see what is being said because this is very, very important for us to be able to catch, to catch, to catch this. Here, Paul tells us that we have to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Okay? What is he talking about when he says a living sacrifice? He's going back to the old system of sacrifices. Where God was, it was acceptable. Where God said what is acceptable and what is not. 
And so therefore you present your bodies to living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable. Well now, when we come to do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by that renewing of your mind, then we might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so, it's a sacrifice, a living sacrifice, and God says it's got to be acceptable. What is it acceptable? It's acceptable to God's standard of holiness. That's what is acceptable. Okay? And so, when you come down to Leviticus, it says, whatever has a defect. Well, see, we got a lot of defects. Right? we got a lot of sins. we got a lot of pet sins. We've got things that well, we do and we just kind of hope someone will overlook it. But see, he's saying a defect. If it's not a defect, it's not acceptable. Okay? So you shall not offer, for it shall not be acceptable. A free will offering must be perfect to be acceptable. Therefore, there shall be no defect in it. Did you get the point of no defect? No defect, no defect, no defect. So in other words, God says, I'm not satisfied with sin. I don't like sin. And I don't want you to live in sin. It is not acceptable to me. It will not be acceptable to me. It shall never, never be acceptable to me. And if you want to be pleasing to me, and if you want to have be acceptable to me, then you need to confess your sins. You need to seek God for forgiveness as soon as He convicts you of that sin. And get her out. Or it's not going to be acceptable. If you want your mind to be acceptable to God, you need to keep your life right. And when you do sin need to seek forgiveness for it. You need to repent right away. Get it out. Get it out. And let the Spirit of God convict you. And He will. He will convict you. He will share with you what is sin and what isn't. And He will He will reveal that to you. He will reveal it. Say, you know, that's sin. That's sin. But I want you I, I want you to understand something before we take this any further. I don't know how many of you have been, have made, a, has a path to the woodshed. I, I, I seem like I'm constantly going to the woodshed. I, I, I seem like I'm always getting a spanking. Every time I turn around, God has the paddle in my hand, I'm getting a spanking again. And it's not because God doesn't love me, it's because He does love me. And so He's constantly convicting me of sin. It wasn't not, it was uh, quite a while ago, I don't know when, when it was, that God really broke me over my sin. I mean, it wasn't something, it was just terrible. It was just that I saw sin the way God saw it. And I was so broken over it. And see, God says, I love a broken and contrite heart. And see, after that, God gave me a sensitive spirit, and and that's it, it's, we've got to see sin the way God sees it. We've got to realize sin the way God realizes sin. 
We We cannot justify it if we really want to progress to what it means to have a sound mind. Now, the next slide, I think I've... We passed that. Yeah. Okay. I'm talking to myself. You guys do that? Mm-hmm. What is meant that you prove? Now, if you notice that in this verse of Scripture, that I, I, I didn't pass over it, it's just that I wanted to show you how important this word is. Romans 12.2. If you go back there again, in Romans 12.2, it says, And do not be conformed to the world, but be a transformed, that you may renew your mind. Let me see. Let me see. And be not conformed to this world, but be a transformed, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove, prove, that you may prove. That is a very, very important word. Great day. Doc imatso. Doc imatso. What does it mean to prove? What does it mean that I prove? That it means a continual testing of the mind. Man, I tell you, you think that you've got it. You think you got. You, get, you think that okay, I'm walking this out. I've, I've really got it. And then God puts you through a test, and then you find out I ain't got it. I thought I got it. I thought I was there. But I didn't get it. And so God puts us through a test. And He tests us. And this, I love this verse of Scripture here. Because it has so much in it and it tells you so much. Because what Jesus said is that if anyone desires, Philio, to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. What happened here? No. I wonder how this got all messed up. I didn't do this. <laughs> how do how, how, how do we test how are we tested? Well, he says desire. The first place is our emotions. Remember I told you, I told you and I drew that? Emotions. My desire. Where is my desires? Is my my desires for self? Or is my desire to die to self? Delio is emotions. And it and it comes from in my heart. And it moves to my mind. And and, and I'm, I'm I'm moved. You you will not go against your emotion. I guarantee you you won't. If you have an emotion to do something, if you have something that you say, I, I, I have this desire, I have this emotion, I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to buy a certain thing, and you're going to do that. If you have a desire to follow Christ, desire to die, it's got to be through the power of the Spirit of God. When He said, come, obedience, now, when we say good, if you, I didn't go through all the good. I didn't go through all those. But when we talk about good, do you remember what God said after creation? He said, it's good. What does that mean? What does he mean when he said it's good? He said it was by his standard. I approve of it. It's good. 
And so when we are obedient to God, he says in Romans 12, 2, that it's good. It's good. I approve of that. I approve of your obedience. Okay. And then when we die to self, dying to self is acceptable. Dying to self is acceptable because when we go back to the living sacrifice and we look at what he says has the defect, when we say that I'm willing to die to myself, I'm willing to die to my self-centeredness, do you realize that self is the, is the central problem of your whole being? That if you're willing to die to self, that, that a large part of the battle is won? If you can deny yourself, that's, that's the big battle. So he's denying your selfish desires that is acceptable with God. God says, I am, I am acceptable. It's acceptable. And so, dying to self and cross-bearing is acceptable before God because that's a living sacrifice. Okay? This, this, and this means nothing if you don't do this. You see, this, uh, these three all come up on the desire. Now you know that one? Good. And let him follow me. I, I, you can't purge your mind. You can have the desire to do it. You can say, well, I want to deny myself. I'm, 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 going, to, I'm going to bear my cross. And see, that can all be under the category of desire. But then when it comes to the place where you're, you're, you, you, you are faced with doing it, when you have an opportunity to deny yourself and you say, ah, I don't want to do that. Well, then none of this stuff means anything. Good intentions mean nothing with God. You're not going to get anywhere with where we get with, and what I'm talking about, is the purging of the mind and, and, and being able to have a mind that is in the place, going to the direction of having a sound mind. Now, next week we'll pick up on what does it mean to have a sound mind. And that was my stopping place. And it is. Oh, I just went five minutes over. That's pretty good. Guys, thank you so much for being willing to listen to me and allowing me to share part of this with you. Thank you. You're welcome. And uh, it's really my my prayer. This is something that has been on my heart for a long, long time. And and I am still, I, I seem like baby steps, step by step by step by step. And it's kind of like, um, what's his name? He said, two steps forward and one step back. Who, says, what, who said that? Um, I can't think of his name. There's a book that he wrote. I can't remember. Chuck Swindle. Plus a guy who sells books would know that, you know. <clears throat> but anyway, two steps forward and one step back, and it just seems like that that's the progress that's taking place.
Well, thank you again. Um, um, would someone like to close us in prayer? Appreciate it. Bob, how would you like to do it for us? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, this time together and uh, for uh, revealing more of yourself through your word. <coughs> and with the Spirit's help, Lord, uh, may these uh, ideas and teachings uh, settle with us in uh, a productive way, Lord. May your goodness uh, be seen all of this. And uh, maybe uh, grace of Lord Jesus Christ and the uh, love of God the Father and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. You're welcome. We pray for my son. He's he's very very sick with the flu, very sick. My son, he's uh, very ill. We thought he was getting better, but then all of a sudden he's gotten worse. How old is he? He's fifteen. Well, is he sixteen? Okay. Yeah, because when he turns 16, he's really looking forward to driving his car. He's already got a car to drive? Yeah, well, he had uh, some relatives that uh, gave him some money. Yeah, yes.